0: I was going to say that's a good transition if you wanted to make this transition into withdrawing in tax court.
1: On this episode of Tax Justice Warriors, a discussion of withdrawing from cases from the tax court. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, the podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics, focuses on tax controversy work, and looks at related issues in tax news. I am your host, William Schmidt. Hey Andrew, how's it going? Hi, pretty good. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. Yeah, we're, we're kind of continuing the conversation from before, but we thought we'd switch some topics. And so, so you had a couple tax court topics to bring up this time. So I'll, you know, turn, turn the microphone over to you on, on what we're going to discuss. Withdrawing
0: from a tax court case. Withdrawing from any case is difficult and it's something I've never done, something I probably deep in my my heart and soul never wanted to do because it's an unfortunate thing that for everyone involved, but we received so many different training about how to withdraw, how it can be tricky to withdraw and how to go about it the right way. And I finally experienced it and it was a little bit difficult and stressful, but I thought it went went pretty s- smoothly for me, and I know you also have had a withdrawal moment, so I guess we can just kind of compare and contrast our experiences
1: yeah' I'll, uh, if if it's okay, I'll start with mine because I think mine was was i mean it it was generally successful, but but I never withdrew. So I, I kind of feel like, like it wasn't completely successful in that sense. Um, I, I may have related this war story previously on the podcast, but but I'll I'll still go through it that I, I had a client that I was representing the married couple. But after they signed the tax court petition, then I was only working with the wife on on the case and overall in the history of the case, there would be times that she was just unresponsive that I would send an email or leave a voicemail and she would just, you know, not not respond to it. And I, th- I think it would be if I sent a letter, then <clears throat> that would prompt a response. But um, but after a while, the case would be going along and I wouldn't hear from her. So I finally just got tired of it and I was ready to withdraw. So I filed a motion to withdraw and I laid out her how she was unresponsive. And I think after I filed it, I realized um, I hadn't tried another address, but I think the I I don't know whether it was a judge or or actually one of the clerks, but but their response was for for me to keep trying and and see if she would respond. So I did, and and then she did respond. So I withdrew my my motion. Yeah, in in that motion, I laid out my attempts to reach her. And, and that she was unresponsive to phone, email and letters. But um, then after I tried again, she, she was responsive. Well, eventually um, I negotiated on the case and I got a, a very generous settlement offer from IRS counsel. So if, if it was up to me, it was like, yes, take it. Let's, let's jump on this opportunity. But then I was trying to get a hold of my client. And wouldn't you know it, she was unresponsive again. That I was trying to phone her, email, sent a letter, like, OK, we've, we've got this hard deadline from counsel, trying to get her to respond. And actually, if, if I remember right, we, we might have missed the deadline, but then I, I got her to respond and so I, I contacted council. I'm I'm thinking now that it was after the deadline, and council did did respond. Okay, yes, we we will um, settle the case. And you know, so I, I was very relieved. Um, got the the documents signed and, and submitted, and I I was open to. Um, to assisting them after that with collections and but then like I was getting the copies of the IRS notices and you know what do you know she didn't contact me and you know finally I was reaching out to her to her and eventually she did respond that, that yes I could use some help in in dealing with the amount due but I mean it, it was just very frustrating for me because there would be these periods where I didn't hear from her and and I was trying to get that response. So, you know, there there are complaints about about attorneys not communicating, but but it is definitely a two-way street that that the the client needs to keep up their end of you know, re- responding in a, in a timely fashion when when it's that time. You know, it's especially if there's court deadlines or, or settlement offers on the table you know then we we as we as attorneys need those responses
0: yes yes so i heard i heard your story <laughs> you where you got a little pushback then yeah. in our networking call you know i was a little high strung and nervous so i asked the, the networking group about it and someone mentioned and the they had a case where opposed i think a there was another council member, another council who filed a motion to withdraw, and the court gave like 10 days for the petitioner to object or make a response. So when I heard that, and I was a little, that was still a little nervous, and in my situation, worked so hard to try, try and help this petitioner, pulling things, you know, pulling, what's the saying, pulling... Pulling, uh pulling teeth or, or what pulling pulling teeth you know trying to find a needle in a haystack trying on this case I was I was, I was really trying hard and it just came up short where I there, there was really nothing else to argue or anything but of course there was a difference in the opinion and some some we weren't meeting in the middle and we weren't connecting. So I had to withdraw. And I thought that I thought the petitioner was on board with it, because it would it's best for for everyone involved. But I could not get the petitioner to give consent. So then that's why I was nervous. That's why I was reaching out to you, Bill. That's why I was reaching out to the networking group, because everything I read was, it's way easier if Petitioner consents to withdraw, and I just could not get it. I didn't get an objection either. I just got nothing, so I was kind of freaking out. I thought, "Oh my goodness, I'm gonna get stuck on this case. I'm gonna. Uh, how do I even draft this 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 motion?" So I got a sample from you. I got. I looked in Effectively Representing a Taxpayer Before the IRS, IRS Eighth Edition, I believe. <laughs> And so I I drafted this this document and I phrased it professional considerations because that's all I could think of. I couldn't, you know, you have to toe the line between duty to your client, but then also make sure that your withdrawal is accepted. And if my client would just get consent, I could have just said, Consent. My, my, my client consented, petitioner consented to withdraw. So then I had to phrase that as professional considerations. I had to go in how sh- uh, petitioner wouldn't be harmed by my withdrawal because I know that's a big worry of the court, but petitioner was set up perfectly in this case, went into that, made sure that the court knew I notified petitioner repeatedly is, and then IRS, make sure that the court knew IRS counsel consented. So I hit all, all those, all the, what I think the major parts of a withdrawal. And I was, I was still very nervous. So I submitted it. And maybe a week later, the court calls me and they, they tell me, I forgot petitioner's last known address and phone number. So Again, my anxiety goes up. Like, oh my goodness, Andrew! Like, how how could you forget this basic basic thing? And so, I, I quickly made the amended withdrawal. I sent it in, and I was I was like, okay, it's finally complete. It's finally complete. You just just now you just have to wait because I figured it would be the ten day to, for petitioner to object or something like that. And so, I was I was I was getting a little little anxious, I was getting a little little worried, but then I think maybe like a week later, I was on the Task court website, and it was gone. The case was gone, because you don't get a notice once you're off of it that, that it succeeded. And I was surprised a little excited, you know, a little excited, like, okay, wow, this worked. It wasn't as difficult as everyone made it out to be. Learned a couple lessons. I think that, I don't know how many people file motions to withdraw all the time, but learned, put the address, put the last known phone number, whether or not petitioner consents, whether or not IRS counsel consents, any, if if it's because you haven't heard from your client in your case make sure lay out how all the efforts you've taken uh, in my case you know lay out how it won't harm the petitioner and the progress that was made and it'll go smoothly I think I think both of our withdrawals ended up smoothly yours kind
1: of (laughs) yeah yeah mine was a little rocky but yeah, and, and looking over your motion, I, I think you were very, very thorough in, in what you presented to the court, and I, I think you laid out your case very well. So I, you know, in, in looking at it, I, I can understand why, you know, they, they really didn't have any objection. And I mean, I, I think the phrase, what was it, professional considerations, you said? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a good hidden message to the court that you know that 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 basically that that you and your client are not getting along there's no no meeting of the minds in in continuing so i i mean i i think unfortunately it can be like the the attorney sometimes can feel a little handcuffed to to the client when when it's it's not a good relationship so Hopefully that that message to the court can get through that it's like, okay, we're we're not getting along. So, you know, or, or or cooperating together on this case. So it's it's really best that we part ways. And so the attorney should not be shackled to the to the client and you know, please, you know, please, please, court, whether, you know, whether you want to call it a divorce or or what. You know, we, we need to be separated. <laughs> so, yes. you know, yeah. So I, I, I think you did a good job on it. And yeah, I will say you, you talked about the, the quick change of access on the tax court website. I've noticed when, when we've done some substitutions of counsel that when it goes through, it's, it's like immediately. So like you said, there there is no notice when you're taken off a case. It's just off your list um, immediately. So that's that's just a thing to note that it's like, you know, normally you're getting notices about anything that happens on that case, but when you're removed from it, you know, it's you get no notice. It's just gone from your, your case list on on Dawson. So
0: there are a couple of days there. I was probably high strung, for no reason, Well, I, I was probably already off the case, and i was I was thinking like, oh my goodness, what what's going to happen if this this does, doesn't go through? And I was playing when I needed to contact IRS counsel next. and uh, but, yeah, damn. no, and and it's it i I realized it's really it really is tricky because it you can't go too in depth into what. happened or what is going on between you and your client you really can't at all and it it can't you can't make them look bad you can't can't even really like make them look good either you 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 know you can't you can't reveal like anything (laughs) and striking that balance was interesting an interesting exercise because of course I still want My former client to succeed and prevail but i just felt that the best option was to withdraw
1: yeah i mean sometimes it can be that the client wants us to do something yeah i mean that that in in discussing ethics in general about what clients want us to do i mean i'm not saying whether this happened in, in any of our cases or not, but whether they want us to do something unprofessional or something that that we personally find unethical or you know does not align with with our interests, well, I, I think that falls into professional considerations as well. That it's just, hey, judge, the the client and I do not get along. I would like to end this professional relationship, but. I need to have because I I've entered my appearance in the court, I need your permission to no longer be on this case. So it's it's kind of a, a step above whether you can just fire them as a client. You know, you, you actually have to get get permission from the court to to no longer be on the case. So that that's certainly why I'm I'm reluctant to enter my appearance on on cases now that it's just like, you know, I, I want to see are they are they cooperative right now? Are they are they a decent communicator? You know, what, what kind of case am I getting into? Is is it one that it's going to be a lot of work that I mean i I've, I've found when it's substantiating business expenses or rental expenses, that's a lot of work. It, it takes extra time and, and sometimes I'm just, I'm just devoting time to that client compared to all of my others and, you know, so so I get pretty selective when it comes to, to entering my appearance anymore.
0: Yeah, I inherited this case too from former employees here at Judicare, so, and Pretty much was told i needed to my first i think i submitted this appearance the first week i was at, on the new job because the client needed a continuation and so the previous representative obviously didn't want to enter withdraw or enter an appearance so and that's how i got involved and it, it, it ran its course <laughs> yeah yeah but now i know Address, phone number, consent of petitioner, consent of IRS counsel, and reason.
1: Yeah, yeah. Words to the wise. So
0: we have samples for people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we will uh, clean them up for to remove client information, but yeah, we we can get those attached to to this podcast release. There was one other item you talked, you mentioned about the upcoming CLEs tab for the, the LITC toolkit.
0: Ah, yes, I don't know what it entails, but I did talk to, I guess I'll, I'll take a step back. I was thinking about how I needed more match, dollar match for my clinic. And I thought, well, things like the the fall tax meeting, the May tax meeting, or, I'm not sure what they're called, but you know the ABA tax conferences where I, litcs get in for $25. I thought, wow, that is that helps with match. We count that as match. I don't know what if other clinics do, but we definitely do. So then, what about all these CLEs that we're all supposed to be putting on? I'm sure there's a lot of clinics that put on CLEs. There's what 110. Clinics, let's say let's say fifty of them put on CLEs and would charge you know twenty five dollars to. Let's make the math e- easier. hundred dollars to the general public. If LITC uh, national office would post all those CLES and have a little you know tab or schedule on the LITC toolkit. And we all agreed that we would not charge other LITCs for these CLEs, that that would be $100 a pop for each training. So 50 times 100 is what, $5,000 in match? If we just all coordinated and the LITC headquarters coordinated as five thousand dollars in match in addition the tr- actual training could be, be very helpful for new practitioners could be very helpful for even seasoned practitioners who are maybe are new to topic it would also increase whoever is playing on the ceiling their numbers so I talked to Jocelyn about this Jocelyn Champagne and she said oh yeah I'll talk to Tamara about it and I guess Jocelyn talked to Tamara and Tamara's all for it. So then this might be something that's actually gonna happen on the toolkit where we can all post about our CLEs in the future and all support one another, have more access to trainings, also more access to to free trainings for match purposes. And I'm a little excited, I'm a little, Nervous. That's gonna be a lot of. They're gonna make put a lot of work onto me, but I don't think they will. I'm excited though that it, it could be a very good thing for the LITC community.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think there's some different things that that we need to to let the LITC toolkit know that they they would be a good clearinghouse. I I don't know what the the right word is, but a uh, a reference point for. For something like these CLEs, and I'm I'm sure there's there's something else because if it, it, it feels like there's some things that that could be updated on the toolkit, but like they've had job openings as as a recent item that they keep updated on on the toolkit. So you know, just just being that central place that that we can go to. I think some of these things get posted on the on the ABA listserv for the the pro bono and tax clinic, I think they wind up there, but they haven't always wound up on the toolkit. So if if that can be a good reference point for for items like that, I I think that would be wonderful. So yeah, I I think this is a a very great idea, Andrew. I I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I just like attending CLEs and I, I don't know that I'm, I'm necessarily so worried about the match, but but yeah, for the clinics who need that, you know, I, I think that's worthwhile. So yeah, great idea.
0: Thank you. The other thing that maybe they people the the toolkit could do is I dislike. I'm not going to use the word hate. I dislike when the IRS updates forms such as Form Forty Four Thirty Three. 656 you know you know what those are the offering compromise forms when they update those and i'm still using maybe the the form that was like a, a month old and i've had it before where it's been rejected and sent back to me and said you need to use the form that came out two months ago and i just sit there thinking well
1: i wish the irs would have told me about this Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a new innocent spouse form that um, I don't know how long ago that came out, but they, I I haven't really compared the forms, but like one thing I noticed is, is they really chopped down the, the spot where, where the petitioner can, can fill in their story on the last page. Ah, yes. They, they really condensed that. So Another word to the wise about about a new form
0: or change of addresses. I I think I don't think it really mattered that much, but where I send off and compromises change locations. Now I understand you can send it to any campus and it gets processed no problem because I asked people and they told me, oh yeah, I always send it to to Brookhaven or because I I feel like they are more reasonable. I was like, oh okay, uh, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, change of addresses, that, that's something, too, that I wish they not, notified me of. But that's just me being picky and <laughs> high maintenance, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's always good if, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of moving parts in, in working with the IRS. So the, if, if we get that communication right, the, the better. So yes. you know. In in places like podcasts for for example, if 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 people can get the word out, I, I think that's always good. <laughs> so. Yeah. But that's it for me. Okay. I'm yeah. off my soapbox. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I th- I think those are those are kind of the, the, the updates that I had. So so I, th- I think those are good to yeah, to, to share with our audience and, and hopefully that'll be some helpful tips that, that we can get to them. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. We have a Patreon page if you'd like to support this podcast. Providing monetary support for this podcast helps with expenses like equipment or travel to tax conferences. Supporting this podcast through Patreon comes with rewards, so check out our Patreon page. Please rate or review this podcast because positive reviews help get more people to know this podcast exists. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers of the people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as tax or legal advice. Consult with your own tax professional to provide you with specific advice on your situation. Tune in next time on Tax Justice Warriors for another interesting tax discussion.